Hi, I'm Leon Gorin, president of PEO Leadership, a peer-to-peer leadership advisory firm. We're an amazing community of CEOs, presidents, and senior executives. Ask yourself, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? It's time for Ontario business leaders to band together for counsel and support. It's time for you to tap into the business wisdom of our peer groups and unlock new ways to grow. I want you to come out of this COVID crisis a better leader and your organization ready for what's next. Take the first step at peo-leadership.com. Today on our Snippets podcast, we actually have a very special podcast. We have Miguel Gonzalez with us, who has been working with PEO, working very closely with me for, for many years now. And today is, uh, is the executive advisor of PAD11. Um, I think, Miguel, it's been probably more than 10 years, and you've been more than just an advisor to us uh, and to any group. You've been part of helping us build this organization over the many years, and it's been Fantastic to be able to work with you. I'm so glad you're here to chat with us today. Yeah, it's absolutely been a privilege and a, a blast of fun, Leon. Thank you. So I, I thought we'd, we'd start because everyone knows you, but really a lot of us, well, I know a little bit of the story, but a lot of people don't know the story. I, I know where you and I met in, in the halls of that office, but what became before that? And maybe you can just walk us a little through the story of where you are today. Well, you know, maybe I'll start with, uh, I was born in Antigua, in the West Indies, uh, in 1962. And my birthday is August 28th. And on August 1st, 1960, August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. gave his uh, famous speech on Capitol Hill, the I Have a Dream speech, when I was one year old. And I grew up in an island where, you know, I looked like, the majority, and I had no concept or comprehension of racism, none. Actually, I look back and I, I just think I, I didn't, I, it wasn't part of my world. And in 1971, my parents, my two sisters and I, we migrated here to Toronto, and I feel very, very privileged to call Toronto and Canada home. I actually love being a Canadian citizen, and my own two children were born here. And I went through most of my academic learning here in Canada and feel privileged to have done that. And I studied applied mathematics in university and go figure, uh, very early on, I became an entrepreneur. I knew it was just in my blood. I'm a builder of things and that's what I love doing. I love to build part of the journey and was fortunate to really start my career in wireless and high technology when wireless was emerging on the globe. And I started out, I had the good fortune of starting out in wireless just before the first network was launched here in Canada in 1986. And to make a long story short, I had a tremendous career and was one of the launch directors for one of the uh, four facilities-based networks here in Canada. It's still the largest project I've ever done and the largest IPO that I was ever part of. And it really shaped me as an individual until I was part of an organization that grew at 25 new hires every week for years and did you know, a hire of 3,000 client care people and trained them in 90 days and put a network up and launched it here in Canada. I didn't know what I was capable of. 
And I think that's something we deal with quite a bit at PEO. You just don't know what you know until you know it. So I've had that experience and been part of taking a couple companies public and again, always high tech, pushing the envelope of technology and new things. And then for about the last 20 years now, I've had a consulting firm and had the privilege of working with uh, many entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial organizations, as well as a couple of the largest corporations in Canada, uh, bringing them outside expertise that they didn't have at specific moments in time, typically very strategic expertise. And I got to tell you, the most fun part of my day as a consultant every day is actually what I do at, at PEO. It's, it's, a tremendous privilege and a lot of fun for me to work with Canada's business leaders, Canada's entrepreneurial leaders, and some corporate leaders, but mostly entrepreneurs. And I think we truly impact the fabric of Canadian business in a positive way, Leon. And for me, especially at this point in my career, to do something that important uh, touches me and makes me wake up in the morning and you know face the day with vigor. I hope that's enough background yeah no that's awesome you know it's uh well that group that you run of entrepreneurs i mean one they're very lucky to have you and i know you've just done an incredible job with those guys i mean i've talked with them you push them you ask them difficult questions but i think it's also the sincerity that you have with them and the intention of really making a difference to them that just stands out in their mind so proud to be able to work beside you and and with you here at PEO. You've had a huge impact, not just on that group, obviously, on on many of our groups and uh, many of our leaders. So thank you on that. Um, Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's it's come to the forefront. It's now probably four or five weeks um, that we've really, it's it's taken, it's it's come right up at us. We've, We've seen a lot of stuff happening. We've had discussions in our groups. You've had discussions in your groups. Where are we today with it in terms of, you know, even in, in, in a lot of our groups, where the leaders are they're anxious to do stuff. They want to make a difference. They want to change stuff. When you, when you have these conversations and you look at what they're doing, are we moving in the right direction? Are these changes that they're talking about, are they sustainable? Are they picking the right things to attack here in terms of what we're changing? That's a lot of questions. It's a a great question, Leon, and it's an important question for leadership to ask. You know, I recall a quote that's been dear to me, especially in this time, uh, by Martin Luther King Jr., where he said, in the long run, not the words of our enemies that we'll remember. It's the silence of our friends. Okay? And, you know, does anti-black racism exist? It's a short answer. It's yes. Uh, Does the unconscious bias that fuels anti-black racism or racism of any type, does it exist? Yes. And uh, at PAD 11, Certainly, we discussed that issue, and we haven't finished discussing that issue yet. That conversation by people in leadership positions, like yourself, Leon, that are are white, 
it's very important for that voice to be heard. So to actually uh, step out and say, you know something, maybe I, I see this problem sometimes, but I don't see it in my world and I don't think I'm part of the problem. There's an education process that I think I'm seeing happening at the most senior level, the senior white leadership level, where the leaders that I'm connecting with, they're asking me questions that I haven't heard asked before. They're asking for connections with other leaders that are people of color that they can have discussions with about their perspective to understand, uh, to walk in their shoes, so to speak, to really understand it from that perspective. And those conversations are vibrant and they're happening now. And the members of my group have taken it upon themselves to educate themselves. And they've determined to not just be another voice. They are determined to figure out ways to act. Many have done things like appointed committees in their organizations at the senior level, led by people that would be identified as people of color or black or marginalized in some way to address the issue internally. So they've, and they've given responsibility and resources to do it. So I'll give you an example. Oh, um, uh, conversation with one of the members. Well, I have a employment base of 1200 people and I don't think I'm doing anything to prevent uh, employment at all levels of the organization to all different creeds, colors, people, backgrounds, cultures, but I look at my organization and it is predominantly white. Why is that? You know, so he started with a call to his recruitment firm and saying, what are we doing? Why are we not getting these types of applicants? And right. he's looking at his processes and looking for what does really exist. And he's finding some things and he's acting accordingly. I think that that seeking to really understand what I don't know or what I don't experience or what I don't feel, because it is unconscious or subconscious, what is it? And I think that's a very, very meaningful thing, especially here in Canada, where we might be a little more quiet than what might happen in the U.S. Yeah, you talked about it in terms of we always compare ourselves to the U.S. and we look at the U.S. and go, well, well, that's over the top. We're not like that. We're sort of like a bit of a melting pot. Everybody comes here, we recognize. But it's not true. Like you hear all the incidents that happen. Um, we're maybe subdued in terms of our response many times, where the U.S. in the last few weeks, they're not subdued on the response. They're actually taking action now. Yes. Yes, very, very, very much so. And that's really important. And, you know, things like understanding um, why people riot. And there's no excuse for violence, but you know, riots really are a response to a voice not being heard. Um, and they come out of a protest or turn from a protest. And these societal issues are complex, but it starts with an acknowledgement that there's a problem and that there's a voice that needs to be heard. And then with an earnest effort to actually act and not just give lip service. And I think that's where, I mean, has there been 
uh, atrocities like George, George Floyd's murder going on. It's always been going on. The only difference now is it's filmed and that travels around the world in seconds uh, and it, it can't be squelched anymore. It's been going on. I could give you uh, dozens of examples back to the 70s or uh, even back to uh, the 80s, 90s. And what's happening now is it can't be hidden. It can't be squelched, which is a good thing. And, you know, what, what often doesn't get uh, acknowledged is that, you know, there are tremendously good people that are white, black, brown, that just really want to see this end. And those voices are extremely powerful. You know, I have a very good friend, Dr. Carolyn Smarts Frost. She's uh, Canada's foremost anthropologist. She is a very white woman that has been, uh, is Canada's foremost expert. There is no second on, on black history. And she's been fighting for equality for her entire career. And it's powerful when she stands up in front of a group and speaks. And she speaks with fact and clarity. And it's, it's a time now where I believe it's a watershed moment where, where change can truly be galvanized. So uh, that may be optimistic on my part, but, you know, the first gentle, truly kind uh, adult man that I met in my life as a teenage boy was a white man that took me under his wing and helped me. Not in a savior sort of way. He didn't even see color. And uh, I think that that exists in the world and it will far outshadow the voices um, that are still there, the actions that are still there. But yes, there is positive change and it continues forward and we have to continue forward. Yeah, I'm very hopeful actually our younger generation, like we I have kids, you've got kids, right? Where their interactions, they don't carry, I hope they don't carry the same unconscious bias that at least they're, because um, the world is very different than when we went to school here where my class was all white. I remember that. Like we lived in a, an area, it was all white. Yes. And well, today, if I looked at my kids and where they went to school, it's such a diverse mix. So I, I, I am hopeful that at least in their generation, things will be a bit different. Miguel, I want to ask you, I mean, you talk about these leaders, they're, they're starting to educate themselves, which is fantastic. And that's always step one. But in terms of some of the actions that they're taking to really move it forward, like I, I really worry that stuff hits the press, it's hot for four or five weeks, and then we get into a lot people forget stuff. It's like human nature. We, we move on to the next thing. What are you seeing? Like you, you talked about one of the uh, companies actually setting up a committee as sort of a task force to really start looking at things. Are you seeing any, do you have any other ideas that companies and leaders should be doing as next steps to really prove, it's like role modeling here, right? I can listen, but what am I actually going to do next to actually create positive change? And let's start with the organization and the, their leadership within that organization. It's an interesting, interesting thing to look at actual solutions and what can be done. Uh, because the word that comes to mind is leaders that really want to change actually have to reach into the communities that are marginalized. Okay. 
uh, a lot of leaders will say, well, listen, I just hire the best person for the job. But what if the best person's not even applying for the job? What if the, the best person doesn't feel that they actually will have an opportunity for the job or they don't double click and try with follow up and persistence and they stop at the first closed door? You know, I think if leaders actually reach out to the marginalized communities and said, I'd like you to compete on an equal footing, please apply. And it doesn't mean that decisions have to, to be made that anything but the best person gets hired for the job. But if you look at where it starts, and it starts when youth you know, are very, very young. Um, and to reach into the communities where um, maybe they would not if you're American Express or RBC or some of the largest um, employers in Canada, and you actually reach into communities um, and make statements around equality and invite communities that you don't see in your organization to apply. I think that that would be meaningful. The other communities are already applying. And um, I think that that's, for example, one thing that is being done that is quite important. And to uh, the task force is an outstanding idea. And as well as looking at the hiring processes, and a lot of people use outside external firms. And you know, external firms, do they hold the same values, these external recruitment firms, as the organization in terms of um, equality? And I think it's very important to make sure that the service providers, providers that are chosen actually understand those mandates, those mandates, you know? Yeah, I, I actually, it's a good point. Like, I, that was the first thing that struck me because a lot of them use recruiting firms, right? Yes. But even same values, I agree, but even maybe asking them for the proof, like, talk to me about what you did in terms of exploring into those marginalized communities, what candidates you did look at. And so you can look at the math and the stats in terms of proof, because at the end of the day, it's, I, I almost think you need to look at the numbers. And in terms of their actions of what they're doing, not just believe necessarily what they're saying. Really valid point, Leon. And the person, there's a person, his name's Trevor Wilson, and he's Canada's leading expert on diversity and has been for many government changes here. And if you talk to Trevor, he actually has statistics that organizations that are truly diverse and embrace this principle of equality perform better. And he's got initiatives that he's put into place for large organizations like Coca-Cola and so on across the globe where uh, a diversity initiative has improved the performance of the company. So what you're saying there about the numbers, Leon, is critical. And that's another thing leaders can do. Link diversity to the performance of the organization. And I think most of them will find they'll be quite impressed with what can happen when an organization truly embraces um, beyond lip service, diversity and inclusion and equality. That's great. Well, Miguel, thank you so much for this conversation and, and some of the insights. And I know the members will really appreciate this right across the board because I, I think people are looking for 
ideas around what they can actually do. And uh, I mean, we're pushing that in PEO, right? It's about role modeling. It's about doing, it's their voice. Actually, don't just talk to it, do something about it. And so I think some of the ideas and what you're sharing are, are extremely insightful. And hopefully we're pushing not just our members, but also others that are listening to us here today. Yes, absolutely, Leon. And on a closing note, I like I want to thank you uh, on behalf of the community, Canada, and uh, Black activism for being the person that you are. That's, at one point, I used to feel like I didn't belong anywhere. And after meeting you and doing this work, I actually believe I belong everywhere. And I thank you for acting. Thank you for speaking out, for being part of events and for having this discussion uh, and promoting not just the discussion going forward, which is essential, but the education and the action of our leaders. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Miguel. If you're interested in our live webcast, the Way Forward Live Web and our other snippets, please take a moment and visit us at peo-leadership.com. You'll find on our site various previous recorded webcasts, which include guests such as Professor Janice Stein, who's a professor at University of Toronto, Harvard's Rosabeth Cantor, one of the top thinkers of our time, and Northeastern Kellogg School of Management, Harry Kramer, who is also the former CEO of Baxter. We cover topics such as mental health, leadership, the world reset, government stimulus packages, and a host of other topics. If you'd like to find out more about our leadership community, once again, please feel free to reach out and or visit our site at po-leadership.com. We look forward to speaking with you shortly. That concludes our session today.